this, this isn't so healthy. Yeah, maybe this isn't so healthy. Maybe this is actually making my healing a bit harder. Welcome to the Empowered Pod, where we have real, honest conversations, survivor to survivor. These are your co-hosts and founders of Empower, Isa and Nina. You may already know us from our Instagram, at IamEmpower. This is a series where we will talk candidly and destigmatize conversations surrounding sex and relationship trauma and the healing process, because everyone should feel empowered. This is a trigger warning. On this podcast, we will discuss our own experiences with sexual violence and assault and unpack the challenges we faced in the healing process. This is our first episode, so let's talk a little bit about what to expect with the Empowered Pod. Both of us are survivors, we were both assaulted while in college, and one of our biggest healing tools was talking to each other and processing together. We're really, we really want these conversations to be showing just the real, honest conversations that survivors have amongst each other. Yeah. I think that's something that we both really realized when we were going through being assaulted at college for both of us. Um, talking to other survivors, talking to each other, and just processing our emotions out loud, whether that be in a really serious way or through humor like we often do, it's just so important to have those connections and really have that you know, solidarity among survivors. Yeah, so we're going to kick it off um, this week with a topic about hypersexuality. Um, as Issa mentioned, we've both been assaulted in college and dealt with hypersexuality following that assault. And so we just wanted to talk through that with you, how we moved through that and into our healing phase. Um, and hopefully, again, ha- talk about these things weekly with you guys. Um, so part of this is going to be normalizing the different mindsets that people have when they deal with the same symptom of trauma. Um, so with that, we're going to kick it off talking about hypersexuality. I'm really excited. (laughs) It was such a big part of our healing. So we're really excited to just talk about this issue with you guys. Um, so I will ask you first, what types of things, like what were, what were the things that you were doing and how were you acting and how did it feel when you were going through that phase? Yeah. So for me, I was assaulted, you know, in like so many women in college and people in college um, are assaulted by someone at a party or when they've been drinking. Alcohol is such a common factor in sexual violence on college campuses. Mm -hmm. And so for me, after I was assaulted, um, I very much was trying to replicate those same situations for myself. It was definitely... I'm going to go back out. I'm still going to go to parties. I'm still going to drink. I'm still going to do all of the things that I did that on the day that I was assaulted. And I'm going to do those things and I'm going to control it. And nothing bad's going to happen because I'm going to control that situation and I can. Um, So I was very much going out, sleeping with a lot of people, at parties, after parties. um, And just not being overall safe. Not really thinking about how it made me feel. And definitely not thinking about, you know, actually. Like it was like an empowerment thing for you. Like it felt that way. Yeah. 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 Well, same for me. Like when I think about where my head was at and what I was doing, it really was, I wanted to reclaim control of my own body. And I thought that the only way to do that or the way that I was thinking about doing that was through experiencing sex again was, yeah, how do I reclaim control of situations and sleep with whoever I want and make sure that I'm in control of these situations and prove to myself that I am fine 
right? That nothing yeah. bad happened. I'm fine. If I can continue having sex, like, not a big yep. deal. Like, this didn't impact me at all. Yeah. I remember when I first started going to therapy um, after I was assaulted. It was the first time I'd ever gone to therapy. And you know how they do a lot of those checklists at the beginning of certain types of therapy? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, after you're assaulted, is one of the questions is always focused on, like, do you have discomfort surrounding sex like do you not want to have sex are you having you know reduced sexual urges whatever and I was always like no definitely not I have no issues with sex like when I was assaulted that wasn't even sex like that was assault like I have no issue with having consensual sex and that was my total mindset I remember because we were friends when this happened and I remember you being like no like it was different. That wasn't sex. That was assault. And I have a fine relationship. We had a conversation I about remember. it when you were in that moment. And I was like, that makes total sense. Because yeah. I was also in my healing process and thinking the same thing. And I was like, that is so healthy. You're so right. Yeah, it, it, it felt very healthy. It really felt yeah. like I was like conquering this idea that I should feel uncomfortable surrounding sex after being assaulted. And it definitely made me feel like I was empowered. I was reclaiming mm-hmm. my sexuality. I was doing things that were consensual so I you know had power over those situations and it wasn't until I had a few pretty negative experiences from situations where I was being risky on purpose um after I had a few situations that were really negative I was like oh shit maybe (laughs) this this isn't so healthy yeah maybe this isn't so healthy maybe this is actually making my healing a bit harder yeah well, I think that's interesting that you mentioned having negative experiences with it because I think that that was kind of my awakening also was I was on Tinder meeting up with random men, like driving to yeah. South San Francisco from the South Bay, like driving like 30 minutes to meet up with like random men that I had yeah. matched with on Tinder and basically just to like get dick or like have a sexual experience and like feel in control of that. And I remember I went to meet up with this one guy and it wasn't a good experience and I got really freaked out and I like left yeah. and that was kind of my awakening of meeting with these people, with these strangers and not knowing them and under the expectation of having mm-hmm. sex, like putting yeah. that as a prerequisite, like if we are meeting up, we are having sex and making that an expectation was really harmful for my healing because I really didn't have control. I would show up there and yeah, the expectation was to have sex. And like, yes, I had like contributed to that expectation, but like that really wasn't good for my healing. And that's kind of when I realized like same situation when I had started having negative experiences, I was like, Oh yeah, this really isn't healthy. This could be actually like problematic. And I, yeah, I just remember having conversations with you about it and us both kind of coming to the realization being like, yeah, we may be having a lot of sex, but like maybe that's not actually empowering. Not that yeah. it can't be, but in the mindset that we were in, wasn't actually empowering. Yeah. So what were kind of the when you kind of started coming to these like realizations like, oh, maybe this isn't the best move for me and my healing journey. What were kind of like the first like emotions that you felt with that and what how do you want to go yeah. forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think I was dealing I mean, we all deal with this, but I was dealing with a lot of shame anyways. Mm-hmm. Um and self-blame, and I think because of the way that my how I felt about the way that my assault happened, 
I felt like I definitely contributed to that. And then I basically like gaslit myself. I definitely was like, oh no, you lying bitch. Like that is so not it. You know, like I was just like, so like totally gaslit myself. And basically like from that, I was having these experiences to prove to myself that like that actually wasn't a soul. I was like, see, this is like totally normal behavior. This is totally fine. And this is what happens. So like, you're not actually a survivor. I was like just trying to gaslight Yeah, it's totally myself. normal to have yeah. super uncomfortable and violating experiences yeah. with men when you're drunk. That's that's normal. Totally normal. It's not normal. Not normal. <laughs> not put up with that. But yeah, so then when I started kind of talking about these like not great experiences after myself, like I started telling you, I started telling other people yeah. like, oh my god, this bad Tinder experience, this other bad Tinder experience, like Kind of like lightly, kind of jokingly. And then as I told more and more people, people were like, well, why are you, why are you doing that? Why are you yeah. meeting up with random men to have sex? Like, why? When you're not even going to come. Exactly. <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're not getting any actual pleasure out of it. And I remember I told my therapist this once where I met a guy in a parking lot and I was like, you know, just put yourself out there. Like, whatever. Like, go meet up with him. And he was just really weird and it was not fun. And I told my therapist about it and my therapist was like, well, maybe don't meet men and go on dates with them if you meet them in a parking lot of the DMV. Like, maybe that's not the place. She's like, maybe we can maybe cross off place. Tinder and cross off parking lots as places <laughs> to meet men. And I was like, interesting. It's an idea. Yeah, that's an idea. Um, but I kind of, like, the emotions that I was feeling was just kind of like an aha and then an empowerment feeling and, like, relief kind of mm-hmm. of, like, oh, this doesn't need to be how it is, I think. Yeah. Like, that was kind of, like, my realization of, like, oh, no, I can have positive sexual experiences, and, like, I can control those, and I that is possible. And yeah. that was really relieving for me to feel that I didn't have to continuously go through these, like, really negative experiences that were, like, meh at yeah. the greatest, where I was just like, that's not what needs to happen. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I feel like what you said is really poignant. It's almost like you thought that you had control over your situations mm-hmm. and then you had that aha moment and then finally actually like realized what control you actually do have over yeah. your sex and relationships. So it's yeah. really empowering to hear. I think something that I really want to focus on um, and talk more about is just how different we justified these experiences. Yeah. This is something that we really realized while we were actually planning this discussion and talking about um, mm-hmm. just this topic together. We didn't realize how differently we really felt about them. Yeah. yeah. So you start. Yeah. So like what you brought up was really about, you know, like the control and like disproving what happened to mm-hmm. you and invalidating your experience. Yeah. And something that I realized through going back to therapy for the second time Highly recommend therapy. Therapy, man. <laughs> Therapist. But yeah, I going back to therapy for the second time, um, something that I'm really starting to unpack is how much more of my trauma is related to the reporting process that I went to and not necessarily related to actually mm-hmm. being assaulted. Um, I think this is really interesting for me to think about because I've been assaulted multiple times before this major experience and after but this was the only time that I reported 
Um, and going through this whole process, I just remember being like, well, if I can have these situations, if I can have the same exact situations and not feel violated and recognize that I can get drunk, I can hook up with someone and not be assaulted, then that proves the fact that what happened to me mm-hmm. was assault. Because if I had just gotten drunk, hooked up with someone, and woke up the next morning, I wouldn't have went to the hospital. I no. wouldn't have reported to in every way that I could have. No. I wouldn't have done those things because I can recognize the difference in those yeah. situations. You were like recreating the same situation in order to prove that what happened was assault because you're and like, was, yeah. I feel fine in these other situations. Exactly. So this one was clearly assault, like proving Yeah, that. I remember one of the very first things I said to the Title IX coordinators was, I know the difference between mm-hmm. being assaulted and having drunk sex that maybe I didn't enjoy that much. Yeah. I know the difference because mm-hmm. I've done those things. Yeah. And I would not be here reporting to you if I had just had sex. I think it's so I think it's so interesting too to think about that like I was already so aware of the ways that I was mm-hmm. going to be victim blamed and I was victim blamed in those exact same ways throughout my entire reporting process. But I was like going in trying to preemptively address the ways that I knew they were going to victim blame me and yeah, it just goes to show. I mean, Talking about reporting is a whole other yeah, conversation. Yeah, I was like, we're going to have to have a whole conversation about the reporting. Yeah, process. but yeah, it's definitely really interesting just for me to to think about that trauma and think about how yeah. much that impacts me and still impacts me because it's definitely something that I'm still unpacking yeah. in every but session. I think that's so interesting because you were using hypersexuality and risk-taking in order to prove to yourself the difference. And like my mm-hmm. mindset on it was I was taking risk, I was being really hypersexual, and I was sexualizing myself in order to disprove my experience, right? Like I was like, if, like this is the norm, basically. I was trying to prove to myself that this was the norm, therefore it was not a soul. Like I was just yeah. out there trying to be as risky as possible, being like, see, worse things happen, this didn't count. Was kind of my mindset yeah. on it, which is like, so, I think what's so interesting is after, both, both of us have been through therapy and both of us have been very introspective about this, Mm-hmm. and our experiences and I think what's so interesting is now looking back at it I have a whole different set of emotions looking back at it now yeah where I feel like sad for my past self that that that's how I felt about it that I was so hell-bent on disproving the fact that I was a survivor yeah and was like really struggling with that experience that I was just trying to sleep with everybody so that I could be like yeah. this is normal shitty men are normal and I don't come anyways so whatever you know and it's like no recenter your own pleasure like you don't deserve that you don't deserve to have a bunch of sex with a bunch of crappy dudes (laughs) yeah I think that like something that I'm realizing now is that yeah we have very different ways of justifying this behavior but at the same time like it was both very much rooted in like self-doubt for both of us like Mm -hmm. yours in self-doubt and then trying to like further invalidate your experience and mine was self-doubt trying to constantly prove my experience because mm-hmm. I also felt like it yeah like of course I exp- everyone experiences self-doubt and I definitely like feel still so much shame around the fact that I struggle with the fact that I doubt myself yeah. like there are days where I'm still like 
Are we sure? Did I just put myself through reporting for seven months for no reason? Like, like I still have those thoughts and it's like, yeah. no, yeah, that's not what happened. And I mean, like we're in this work and we talk about empowering and supporting survivors yeah. all the time, but it's like, we are still struggling we're still healing. healing is continuous. We say this all the time. Healing is not linear. Yeah. Healing is continuous. But I think that that's really interesting because what I think people don't really think about is when you're thinking about hypersexuality or when you're going through this phase, if you are, there's a lot underneath that's contributing to why this happens. And that's why yeah. we wanted to normalize the different ways that we came at it because just because you, like maybe someone else has like your similar mindset and yeah. then doesn't identify with mine, but that's the point. It's like, hypersexuality is a symptom of trauma, right? And it takes a lot mm. to unpack why you're behaving in that way and why that symptom is being expressed in that way and being manifested mm. in that way. And it could be out of self-doubt for multiple different reasons. Or how, yeah. And like the point is, is to get really introspective and try to figure out for you, why are you behaving in this way and how do we address that core reason? Mm-hmm. Because it's different from survivor to survivor or whatever you experience. Like it's totally different. And when you come to the realization that you were being hypersexual or you were like taking risks and putting yourself mm-hmm. in risky situations, then take a step back and be like, what's what's the emotion that I'm feeling to like drive me that way? Like, is exactly. it shame? Is it like self-blame, self-doubt, whatever? Mm-hmm. And then address that because hypersexuality is just the manifestation. You can't just like immediately stop. Like, don't then go to hyposexuality because that's also a different symptom. Exactly. You know, you have to get to the root. <laughs> you have to get to the root. It's like not just dealing 100%. with the manifestation. Yeah. So what are some ways now that you try to really like, combat this and try to have more healthy sex and really center yourself? Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I was talking to you about this earlier this week because... We just did a post on sexting and sexting coercion and Mm -hmm. literally a couple days ago this was happening and a guy was trying to like egg me into sexting him Mm -hmm. and it just felt really good to center myself and be like, do I want to be sending this guy images or sending this guy explicit texts or whatever? And I was like, no, (laughs) I don't because that's not what I want to do. I'm cooking dinner. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to eat my food. I don't want to be like trying to get but always sex you around the most like mundane activities too. It's never it's like I'm doing laundry. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what I want to be doing to you, right? It's like what like, no, I'm doing laundry. I really just want to finish the dishes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing normal things. So but I think it's really powerful to check in with yourself and realize what do I want? Yeah. Truly. Not what's going to make me feel good in the moment because I please them. It's what do I actually want? And then making that happen. And I think as I've gone through my healing process, I've been a lot better about Mm -hmm. boundaries. Still hard for me, but, and I got this advice from a friend of mine that I tell you about, but he basically told me only sleep with people that you like. Wow, you can do that. I know. I was like, <laughs> you don't just have to sleep with someone because they're expecting it, and yeah. it kind of blew my mind. And I think like that is like such a passing thing for him to say, but it really has stuck with me to be like, do I actually like this person? Do I enjoy this person? Do I respect this person? Mm-hmm. Is it a good person? 
do I feel comfortable doing this with them? And will I get pleasure out of it? Yeah. If I'm not, if I don't feel any, like those are all the boxes I have to basically check for myself to be like, okay, I'm going to, this is for me. I feel empowered and engaging in this sexual experience now. Yeah. I feel like it was similar for me. I had a friend tell me like, why are you giving people your energy that don't deserve it? Mm-hmm. Why are you... And, like, you know, I don't believe in the whole um, sex as, like, an energy exchange, those types of things. I know that some people feel really strongly about, like, if you have sex with someone, it's, like, this exchange of energy and you're super connected to them. And, like, I don't always feel that way from myself personally. Um, but I do think that, like, the concept of, like, giving people your time, giving people your energy and... Being selective. Yeah, Yeah. like being selective. And it's like, I am important. My time is important. My body is important. Like, all of that is important. And so why would I and just give anyone access to that? Mm -hmm. Not everyone deserves access to me like that. And so I think that it really is like an exercise of realizing like how special I am. And I think we should all feel that way. We should all feel that we are special. We should all love ourselves in that way. But... Yeah, I think it's been really empowering to actually, like, recognize how much I love myself. And then that plays into who I actually want to sleep with, who I want to be in relationships with. And it's not just sexual relationships, it's friendships, too. Like, as I started realizing this as well and kind of, like, working through my own hypersexuality, I also realized, like, I don't need that many friends. (laughs) Like, I also, like, in the same way, like, I want to be like protective of myself and like protective of my energy and my time and that's been helpful i think it just really boils down to like choosing yourself over others and that doesn't mean not engaging in sex that doesn't mean taking a break that means like through practice i've definitely gotten better with this through practice but sitting with people that you trust to put your pleasure first as well or trust to prioritize your pleasure like not hooking up with random men from Tinder apps or whatever other dating app or whoever you want to sleep with. Like, not just, like, engaging with that because you miss intimacy or you miss, like, being touched. It's like, no, be, be selective, like you said. Like, practice being selective in choosing people that you respect and choosing that people that mm-hmm. you trust to prioritize your pleasure and actually, like, try. Exactly. Try to, like make you come because you deserve that you deserve pleasure like I think bottom line my realization and the thing that's helped me come out of this the most is realizing like okay maybe it's difficult to make me come to give me pleasure I still deserve pleasure 100% maybe it takes more effort but sometimes so do other people and I still deserve pleasure I still deserve like sex is an experience not a performance another one of our posts but like I so often was engaging in sex as a performance Mm. and just trying to please them and like getting pleasure out of pleasing them or tricking myself into that. It's like, no, I deserve pleasure. I deserve to be prioritized and I'm going to be more selective in who I'm letting into me, see me, engage with my energy, whatever. Yeah. Give my time to. Yeah, 100%. I think that's something that I want to kind of start wrapping up with is I think that we're really lucky that we are able to talk to each other about this. I mm-hmm. think that we, you know, having really strong women in our lives and being in the groups that we were in college, 
we didn't have a lot of shame surrounding sex. And so it was really easy for us to actually open up and have these conversations together. And a lot of people don't have those relationships and don't have people that they feel that they can talk to you so openly about sex especially if they have shame surrounding the amount of partners they have the risks that they're taking Mm -hmm. i mean sex is such a taboo and like unfortunately such a shameful topic still um so i think that's something that like i I really want to drive home is like finding people finding Mm -hmm. people that you feel that you can start opening up to because it is so important to have these conversations and It doesn't have to be someone in person. It can be someone through I Empower. It can be through this community. Um, that's something that we really want to do is yeah. also bring this type of conversation to you, to your phone right there. And yeah, kind of just reduce that, the scariness of, yeah. of having these conversations. Yeah. I definitely feel so much gratitude to you and to our friendship and soulmateship because not only do I feel 100% confident and comfortable like talking to you about these things, I also 100% feel like you're going to be real with me. You're yeah. going to be like, that does feel empowering. I'm here for you. Like, you, hell yeah. Or you're going to be like, that doesn't seem so great. Are you Like, let's check in on how you're feeling and why you're... Like, yeah. having that person that understands and has been where you are and then can serve as a mirror for you yeah. also, I think is so helpful in healing to have friends like that and to have a community like that. And so, yeah, I think we should just like end it and drive home that I empower and I'm empower the Instagram is here for you. And I mean, our DMs are always open, number one, but also reach out to each other. I, the conversations that we've seen in our comments are amazing. Um, there are some trolls. We try to delete them. Some of them are horrible, but a lot of them <laughs> are with among it's camaraderie building it's that collective healing that we're witnessing happen directly in our comments and i think that that really makes me so excited to continue working on this with you absolutely i want to wrap up with just some affirmations something that we really talk about a lot um is yeah just loving yourself giving yourself gratitude too Mm -hmm. um so yeah what is an affirmation that you have been resonating with yeah recently I I said this earlier, but I think the one that really has been helpful for me is just, I deserve pleasure. Yes. Yes. You know, like... You all deserve pleasure. I deserve pleasure. I love that. However way I get it, I can do it myself or other people can do it to me. But I deserve pleasure. (laughs) But I deserve it. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, um, I've been thinking a lot about the affirmation, it's safe for me to feel powerful. I think that a lot of women, a lot of people uh, really struggle with just embracing how awesome they are and embracing how, how important they are. And they, mm-hmm. yeah, and really, yeah, thinking about putting themselves first um, and putting themselves out there. So yeah, take control. I'm here for it. that. It's sexy. It's hot. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's our first episode. We did it.